Podcast One. Hi, this is Paul McIntyre. Welcome to the MI3 Audio Edition. I've been a business journalist for 25 years covering the marketing, media, agency and tech sectors. In this series, we talk to industry leaders about the global and local developments that you need to be across this week. Well, today we're talking to two women who run the AFL. Well, there might be some creative license in that one, but they are central to what the hell the AFL does now as we head into the next phase of COVID and the competition starts up. And watch out, these two women are not short on views. With us today, Kylie Rogers. She's the general manager commercial for the AFL. Kylie was a 15-year veteran with Network 10, going back millennia to about 1997. After that, she joined Mamma Mia and ended up as managing director there. And in 2017, Kylie moved to the AFL in her current role. Interestingly, Kylie worked briefly at 10 with the then CEO, Hamish McLennan, who, of course, has just been appointed chairman of Rugby Australia. We might try and get something out of Kylie on that front. Good luck. Uh, The other in this 1-2 AFL combo is Sarah Wise. She's the head of AFL Media. Sarah is the founder of a professional women's community network called Wise Women. She's the former chief revenue officer at Alua Media, which was part of the old Fairfax group before Nine's takeover. And she was also the former managing director of Videology. Uh, Sarah has also been at 9MSN before that partnership split up. So welcome to you both. Let's start with you first, Kylie Rogers. What a whirlwind. First, can we just ask what you do at the AFL? What's your remit? And um, how have you managed and changed strategy and tactics in the past couple of months? Because there's no question you would have needed to. So thank you so much for having me, Paul. It's wonderful to be chatting to you. It's been too long. You are correct. I'm the general manager of commercial at the AFL. So so my role is really simple. It's to grow the game and to generate sustainable commercial revenues across the industry. So to support our 18 clubs and also to ensure that the AFL house grows. There's two major buckets um, outside of broadcast revenue, of course, that I'm focused on, and that's our our corporate sector. So revenue we, gener- we generate through our corporate partners and the consumer sector. So every dollar we make through our fans. Think ticketing, membership, hospitality, retail, membership, etc. It's all about generating as many dollars as we can so we can give back to grassroots community football and ensure the health of our 18 clubs. So, Kylie, how have you managed and changed things up? Not many of us have had a choice, really, have we? Uh, Look, it's been a hell of a ride. There's no doubt that we all feel a little bit more fatigued off the back of the last few months, but um, it's not without its silver linings. It's probably best articulated in stages. We Obviously, COVID hit and stage one was survival, I guess. We very quickly were staring down the barrel of no games, no season and no revenue. So we had to move really fast and we needed to ensure a line of credit. So we went to ANZ Bank and and NAB, who's been our partner for 16 years, and were able to get a $600 million loan. We renegotiated um, salaries with our players. We cut all of our costs at AFL House and and the saddest part of all, we had to stand down 85% of our staff. Once we moved through stage one, we then went into stage two, which was protecting our revenues. And um, that's where I got really busy. So for me, it was making sure our partners um, 
were well communicated to, um, that we were ensuring that we could deliver the partnership benefits without games happening. And then it was about communicating to all of our members and making sure that they were comfortable in still um, financially backing their clubs and also AFL House and also Marvel Stadium, which we own, uh, ensuring we don't have too many members refund. So we've been really, really busy holding our partners' hands. We have spent a lot of time coming up with digital make goods and pivoting a lot of the physical assets that our partners have funded and, and have spent a lot of time engaging with fans through. For example, Auskick, we've spent a lot of time coming up with Auskick at home. So new digital products that our that our fans can engage with at home while they can't go to games. And we've been really successful actually in coming up with a number of alternate digital products. Give us some examples there, Kylie. What does that look like? Two of the ones that we're particularly um, proud of is, which I just mentioned, Auskick at home, um, Kick to Kick series at home, and um, an interesting one which, which is proving really successful. In 10 days, we launched the AFL Gamers Network, which is ostensibly 40-odd of our AFL players who live stream themselves playing various games on YouTube and Twitch. What we're loving about that and certainly has been working over the past few weeks is our players haven't had, they've had a lot of downtime. They've been training, but they haven't had to play games. So we've kept them busy with this new AFL Gamers Network. Uh, and and we're, we're attracting a lot of international fans and it's hilarious seeing them engage our sport for the first time. Sarah and I have been talking of late about how we feel the business culturally has sort of pivoted this startup mentality, which is, you know, move fast and break things. And we weren't necessarily like that prior to COVID. And I've never seen our organisation and I've never seen the industry at large be so aligned and be so collaborative. Have you had any involvement in, in broadcast negotiations, Kylie? So the three buckets of how we generate revenue, broadcast, consumer and corporate. And, and I look after consumer and corporate. So, so broadcast is not on in my area. Obviously, we work very closely with Seven and, and Foxtel and Telstra um, and those negotiations are ongoing at the moment, but they're terrific partners. Well, some great points there, Kylie. Sarah Wise, give us a brief overview of AFL Media, what it does what it's been doing prior to COVID and, and, and what's changed now? Has it fast-tracked a bunch of developments and innovation that you may have not done prior to COVID? Yeah, so the so the role of AFL Media across our website and app is really to be the companion to any fans' viewing experience. So Kylie mentioned Foxtel, uh, Telstra and Seven, so we work closely with those guys. But from a digital perspective, AFL Media has always been, um, I guess, the second screen to that main live viewing experience. So everything from fan engagement, from your fantasy and tipping products, to your news, your highlights, and obviously you can get the live stream within the app as well. But the big opportunity that Kai and I pinpointed when we, when we both joined the business was the opportunity around sports entertainment, um, which wasn't something really that the, the team were that focused on. It's about the you know the the actual games itself. It's all about the news and the, and the and the news that's generated around the live game. So really focusing on that hardcore football fan. Um, but I guess you know I guess hiring women. Um, now I'm a Brit, lived in Sydney for 11 years, and then you know hiring me to come down to run the media department, trying to get a different lens on what the AFL can do and how the AFL can engage all audiences, and was really part of the agenda when I think I, I came to and joined the AFL. 
So, yeah, so that hasn't changed in the sense that we're still wanting to be the second screen, the companion to every fan's live viewing experience. But in the in the time of COVID, the the strategy and plan that we had in place around broadening audience, around tip, dipping our toe into entertainment, has been massively expedited during this time. Um, so, and, and that, that's that's been the silver lining I think that Carly was referring to. There's been, a, if you look for the positives, there are definitely positives um, that we've seen over this last eight to twelve week period. And that's certainly one of them. So our strategy hasn't hasn't changed in the sense that we still want to be um, that kind of you know average fans uh, destination for all sports news uh, and and vision. But I guess the the difference is is that we've now acquired new audiences in women and a lot of youth and kids um, because of our content strategy um, change over this period of time. So Siri, the AFL is broadening its content beyond live games to more entertainment and lifestyle then? Yeah, so we've we, so we had to kind of rewrite the strategy as soon as this happened, which we did in, in about probably 10 days, two weeks. The whole content has been pivoted off this notion of bringing fans close to the game. So, and strategically, that's really around trying to uh, minimise the gap between the game and the fans over this time when there are no games and there hasn't and there isn't able to you know accommodate fans in stadium, and so bringing fans close to the game is has been the I guess strategic pillar. Um, content that we've generated on the back of that have been very much led by um, you know access to players behind the scenes documentary series. Um, we, we've launched a, a series that we're I think of three to four episodes in at the moment called Last Time I Cried, interviewing players around the last time they last time they cried. And that's really opened up stories around players that have, you know, really portrayed the players as human beings. And I think that human interest angle have attracted a whole new set of audience that really they may not all be interested in the AFL necessarily. Um, we've also done a few other things. So we've got um, players doing, you know, how to stay well and healthy. And Kylie mentioned the Auskick at Home, which has been a brilliant series. And how do we kind of still engage kids and families in the Auskick program when you can't actually have the physical attendance of Auskick? So the power of content and digital in that sense has been um, quite fantastic. I think the other the other part that we're really proud of is we've gone into partnership with um, NITV, so part of the SBS group. Um, the deal that we'd done with those guys at the beginning of the season was to create an Indigenous weekly football show. So we got one round in, then obviously the, the season was suspended. Um, but we actually still continued with the show. And, and now I think we're on like episode nine or ten. Um, and the show's taken on a whole life of its own. It's become more of an entertainment meets culture meets social policy show using the AFL as a platform to connect with audiences as opposed to focusing in really hard on football every week. So I, I think the opportunity around that sports entertainment piece is, is probably brought to life most obviously in that project. You know, AFL is a platform to connect audiences and that, that's really what I think has um, probably brought me into the AFL. It's and Sarah's not only with this new strategy bringing in new audiences, which is vital to our growth, but it's clearly bringing in new partnership opportunities and new revenues. Um, when I first arrived at the AFL, I, I felt like our, our partnerships were traditional and fairly one-dimensional, and we were looking at branding opportunities on jumpers and physical assets and the like. Bringing Sarah in and pivoting our AFL media strategy, we're having far deeper, more strategic conversations with our partners about what are they, what's their legacy in the AFL space? What programs do they want to develop? How do they want to engage with fans and their customers digitally? And it's been really successful and allowed us to deepen our partnerships and bring in a whole heap of new revenue and it's working for everybody. Can you give us an example there, Kylie, of a, a partner that has uh, tapped that opportunity and, and how they've worked it? 
a core, so a core hotels is our, our hotel partner, obviously, and they enable us um, to put on the game ostensibly because they're accommodating all of our players around the country for 22 home and away games and, and finals throughout the year. And, and it was a fairly traditional partnership when I first arrived. But sitting down with them and, and trying to understand their brand values and, and um, the messages that they want to portray to their customer base, we realised pretty quickly we wanted a deeper relationship. So we've been co-producing content that sits on our channels and also through the core channels within each of the hotel rooms in, in all of their accommodation areas. And we realised pretty quickly that they were very passionate about diversity, development and education for girls. And so we've pivoted the partnership to AFLW and now they actually uh, employ, they're our, our largest employer of AFLW players. So one of the biggest challenges that our female players have is they're part-time and they've got to hold down a job as well as play professional sport week in, week out. So we're looking to our partners to see if they can provide some support in that area and a call's been brilliant. So not only are they training our girls, they're employing our girls and we're co-producing content uh, that engages customers and it's, it's a really deep partnership. Very interesting. So, and I just want to zip back to Sarah for a second. Uh, in terms of how the fans and light fans, you could possibly call them, how have they responded to these new initiatives through COVID, Sarah? What are the numbers? Where are you tracking? So we kind of look at two two things. I think one is numbers and then one is really sentiment. So on the number side, we're over 50% up on audience versus our off-season. That's really shocked everybody given their workforce capacity that we're currently operating um, we're obviously down um, year on year based on the in-season numbers, but that's largely driven by the news and the live vision. But if you, t- if you take those things out, we're actually massively up versus the, um, the off-season period, which is great. A couple of things, again, it's that broader content strategy, but also the pivot to video. The numbers are looking good. The audience which is there, engagement is um, looking really strong. But I think what's been the most interesting thing is that whilst we have a lot of passionate football fans, I think I think Carly might have heard this through when I first got to the AFL. She was like, look, no one barracks for the AFL. Like no, no one kind of wants to see the the co, the governing body. No, no, you know, no one gets behind them. It's all about the clubs, all about the players, all about their community. But interestingly, if you look at a lot of the content that we're producing, and then you look at the social comments um, and the sharing uh, and what's being said about the content from fans, from everyday fans who normally really enjoy taking the AFL to the cleaners um, on, on some days. And you've got people kind of commenting on, on some of our content saying, thank you, this is really important, I love this, tagging all their friends in. Uh, in the 18 months that I've been here, I've never I've never seen that. And it's kind of well known that nobody barracks for the AFL. So the fact that AFL is now being called out as telling important stories and entertaining fans, we're, we're now being thanked, which is, um, I think, a huge turnaround. I don't know about you, Carly, but that's something that I think has been quite surprising from a fan's perspective anyway. In terms of the fans, I think you guys are saying that there's more women and more younger people coming through on the content. Is that right? Yeah. So we have, as part of the AFL Media Network, you have our website and app for both our men's and women's league. Uh, and then you also have um, a really healthy off-network audience across social. So Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and now we more recently TikTok. So we have over 3 million followers across our social and then 4 million on our owned and operated Typically, um, we attract a, an older, more male-skewed audience on our owned and operated network um, with a kind of a real mixed bag in social. We've now seen um, a huge increase in women on our owned and operated 
um, and a much younger demographic, not only on our, up on our website, but on our social channels as well. So the actual composition of audience has changed quite significantly in a short space of time. We can only put that down to a very, very different content strategy um, and going after a different audience. AFLW and the success of AFLW has obviously changed the makeup of our audience considerably over the last four years. We're really proud that 30% of our participation base around Australia are now girls and women, which is pretty extraordinary after four years. What was it prior to, do you know? Less than 10%. So it's, it's tripled. The content that's coming out of AFL Media Unit, I'm, assu- I'm assuming, Kylie, that, and you might have mentioned it, that that is actually doing wonders for your, your corporate partners as well. There's op- new opportunities there. I think you mentioned that. What I want to ask you is, or both of you really is, um, what's been the biggest challenge through COVID in doing what you're doing in terms of skill sets, capabilities and resource? Have you both and both your respective teams had to really look at what you need to do and what new capabilities and skills you need amongst your teams and people? To be fair, you know, we've got skeleton staff. 85% of hardworking people have been stood down. So um, we're having to be very focused on what we need to do um, and we have to collaborate and be really aligned. And I I think I mentioned earlier, uh, Sarah and I reflected the other day that we've never been so aligned in the, you know, three years I've been at the AFL. Um, So it's about daily, short 15-minute meetings. What are we doing today? What have we got to get done? What are our challenges? What's worrying us? We, you know, we, 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 we communicate and talk about what we have to do and on we go and we get the job done and we do it again the next morning. We're all working seven days a week, but um, frankly, I think we're in great shape. Sarah, to you in terms of the sort of content you're producing now being very different, same people, different skills, new skills they're discovering or what happens there? Yeah, um, m- massive upskilling in the last eight weeks for sure. It's um, In some ways it's been quite magnificent but it's been certainly challenging at some points. We've Our pivots are video, you know, not all of our staff are video staff, so you've got people learning how to use the tools and being able to create different types of content, different formats. Um, a lot of our team not not necessarily that experienced in working with brands and, and commercial integration who have you know taken on the opportunity and have done a really good job. So there's been a lot of upskilling, and also I think um, you know it's been a much more of a democracy in the way that we've run. You know I think a lot of the time we've got our, our younger guys in our team often looking for direction, and then they'll happily go off and do what you ask them. But I think in this time, like Kylie mentioned, when there's not everybody's always around, this decision has to be made very quickly. Um, people are kind of stepping up and making those calls. So I think everyone's learning a lot as well. So I'm not sure if it's slowed us down. Like part of me thinks, you know, in in that time, has that slowed us down compared to having a team who would have been across all those skills? But I think, you know, at a time like this, alignment for sure, but also the, the real clear need. Everyone knows what they have to do and why they need to do it. And I don't think anyone's been clearer uh, on why they do what they do every day. So it's, it's good to see some of this stuff come to life and everyone feel like they've really contributed. Well, I think the business has never been more focused because it's, it, you know, normally we're a highly operational business where we're running nine games every weekend. So there's a lot to consider there, marketing the game, operating the game, selling tickets, et cetera, et cetera. Right now with no games on, we've got one job to do and that's retain revenue. And that's engage our fans through our digital ecosystem. In some ways, it's much easier. I mean, it's a great segue, really, because the competition is back. Well, it's coming back. Uh, and so the big question for both of you and your respective operations is, uh, or units is, what now? What are the priorities? 
What are, what's going to be done differently uh, in the coming six months and what do we expect to see, Kylie? Yeah, so we've been working really hard on our protocols, medical and social distancing protocols, to ensure that we're a very disciplined industry and we start our competition back on June 11 and we don't have to stop and we continue and we play out our remaining games um, and our four weeks of finals. And so we're very, very focused on that. And we've been negotiating hard state by state to make sure that everybody and the medical officers in each state are comfortable with what our game plan is. So come June 11, when all of our players are ready and we bounce that ball, it's about making sure our partners get all of their benefits delivered outside of obviously hospitality and crowds right now. It's about making sure our fans get to see our game presented visually in the best possible way through our broadcasting partners and through our digital ecosystem. And, yeah, we're just really focused on that. Does anything change in terms of your commercial partnerships in the, in the, in the next six months or to the end of the year, Kylie? No, not really. You know, we've because while we haven't been playing, we've been very focused on, on the digital benefits and, and, and the new digital programs and rolling those out. We'll pivot a little bit more back to how we can deliver out those benefits at game um, so, no, it doesn't change wildly. Um, I'm really focused and really interested in our return to crowd strategy. Now, I don't know whether we'll get to execute that, but we want to be really prepared and, and, and make sure the government sees what we're doing and understands and is very comfortable with what we're doing when the time comes or if the time comes that we can return to crowds because that's really, really important for our corporate partners and it's really, really important for our members and really important for our fans. So we're actually working on a, what we're calling a social distancing stadium framework and, and, and what do we have to do to provide the government with comfort that the stadium will be cashless, that the sanitisation methods are appropriate uh, that we have social distancing methods in place. There's a whole host of considerations that we're working on. It's, it's, it's a really interesting time. And technology is going to play a big role in all of that. Well, I was going to ask, the programs that you've, the physical programs that you've had, you talked about some of those, uh, how they've, they've kind of gone to digital now. But when we come out of COVID and it's safe and you can get back into, uh, with the country, you get back into some more physical stuff. Do you think the physical programs that you've done with your partnerships, does it, do they change? Will they be as popular? Have we changed behaviour now that some some of the stuff is digital and well, people will want to get back into the real world? I think they will want to get back into the real world. Um, there's no doubt that some of the digital programs will remain relevant. Frankly, with Auskick at Home, for example, we found that really works for families around the country because they can fit it in into their time. So Saturday mornings doesn't necessarily suit some families but they've, be, they've been able to work that digital program into their own rosters. So I see something like a Auskick at Home continuing, um, albeit we can't wait for the real physical Auskick to, to return. So I think we'll see both. Sarah, content-wise, as we come into back into the competition, uh, what changes it up, a whole, a whole new strategy again? No, I think it's probably a combination of what we've been doing over the last 8 to 12 weeks and then what the future plan for AFR Media was, um, which, we were, which was the strategy we were working on. So I think it'd be much more video-centric, um, more of a, a pivot towards entertainment, not just your live game. Um, but I also think there's the digital component, which is, you know, we, we, we deliver a mobile first digital product, which is 24-7. So it's how do you 
use digital and content to augment the actual game um, to be able to create new complementary products through innovation. So whether that's through e-gaming, you know, e-sports and, and online gaming through the, through the Gamers Network, for example, um, or things that you can do that kind of marries the world of digital with physical, I think that will be a really big focus from a content point of view as we start to return to play with crowds. Interesting. I really, with, with two of you coming out of the media sector, um, really interested in a bit more of a personal perspective, really. Kylie, when you leapt out of media and into a commercial role at the AFL, what is it, three years ago, two and a half years ago, how was that tr- transition? You spent almost your entire career on the on the sell side in media, selling media. How was that transition into a, into a much broader commercial commercial role? What were your big learnings, challenges, surprises and horrors? Like the horror bit. Yeah, I don't know if there was any horrors, um, but I did giggle because, you know, I, I came from being the managing director of Mamma Mia and, and my whole world was was digital content and digital partnerships and digital sales. And when I arrived at the AFL, I realised that that was just one component of a really large role and I had to get my head around some really new sectors and, 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 and pieces. So for me, the, the corporate partnership piece was my bread and butter and I felt very comfortable in that space and and very quickly educated my team on on you know my definition definition of partnership and that's being better together and how we have to have strategic and, and deeper long-term partnerships and 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 that's been wonderful to see that grow and my team grow and our partnerships grow but for me the the challenges and the big learnings came from the consumer side so membership and, and ticketing and hospitality and retail, you know, we have 18 AFL stores. Yeah, merchandise, right? Yeah, we have 18 AFL stores around the country and merchandise sales. And, and of course, we own Marvel Stadium. So we've got a big redevelopment going on. Um, we've got a partnership with Victorian government and we've got um, big plans to commercialise the stadium and turn that into, a, you know, the largest entertainment, sporting and technology stadium in the world, frankly. And, and all the F&B sales that come with that. That's, that's the new piece for me. And I have loved getting my head around those spaces. They've been, they've been growing steadily, but the challenge for me is to generate significant step change growth in those areas and do things differently. Um, you know, we're proud to have launched AFL Kitchen and Bar, which was which was a new hospitality offering for our fans at the at the Melbourne Airport. Um, timing hasn't been so great with COVID, but we are trying to push the envelope and do different things in the consumer space. So our fans engage with our game and engage with our brand more and 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 more regularly than just going to games because frankly in a, you know in a busy world it's it's hard to get to every game on the weekend when they're 3 hours long. So how else can they engage with with the brand? So I'm working on that. I'm I've been challenged by that and I've been really enjoying it. The surprise, I think you asked if I had a surprise. My, I don't know if it was a surprise, but I had forgotten. I'm a Melbourne girl, but I had forgotten how obsessed Victorians are with football. And I can tell you, Paul, I have quickly stopped uh, telling people what I do at a barbecue or in a taxi because um, I, I never hear the end of it. So that shocked me, I guess, the obsession with the media and the obsession with fans. It's a nice problem to have, but, um, but I'd forgotten about that and that was overwhelming to begin with. Yeah, it's probably a bit like rugby in New Zealand. Sarah Wise, coming from a media organisation and producing content in a media company versus producing content for a very big sporting uh, code, what's been different in the mindset and, and, and surprises, again, coming from media into the AFL? Kind of similar to Kylie. Like, I think half of the time I'm very much in my comfort zone because it's media and I'm kind of used to that. But I guess the other side of it is um, trying to understand the psyche of a sports fan and what content's going to work for them. That, that's, that's been quite new and different. Um, but also I don't think I've ever worked in a business which has been so publicly 
um, talked about and said publicly, sometimes scrutinised. So that, that's been quite difficult too in the media spaces. How do you kind of play ball with other media who are kind of writing stuff about you that may or may not be true? Um, it's, it's, it's quite a public um, you know, public business in that sense. So I think that's that's been the, the other part of the challenge, especially when you were working and operating in media. It's how do you respond in the right way for the AFL and that's kind of going on around you. Speaking of that, both of you, um, you know, when the AFL launched its media unit, there was quite an outcry, right, from media companies that the, that the AFL was, was taking on um, the media sector itself with content. Has that settled down? Is there a nice... Uh, relationship back to friendlies now about who carves up what territory or yeah, competing think, across it all? I think it comes down to the purpose of what we're trying to do. Like, So yeah, we, our, our purpose as a business is around progressing the game um, for, for everyone, essentially. And so that, that's very much at the heart of what the media business does. It's, it's you know, we're not, we're not working in a media business necessarily just to make money. Like we've got a responsibility to grow the game and make it relevant for future generations. And so I think when we think about that as the purpose, we become quite focused on you know, what content is going to resonate, what's going to move the needle, and, and some of the examples that we've talked about in, in this conversation. So it's less around who's going to win the day on page impressions or who's going to win the day with how many ads did you sell today? You know, there's, there's, a, there's another layer to the media unit within AFL, which is the responsibility of the league. Uh, and then the positivity that that creates in community around kids and family and connection and health and wellness. So it's, it's also, it's got a double-edged sword. So I think we're a little bit less worried about that, if I'm being honest, that we, we, we're quite focused on what the job we have to do is. Um, yeah, I don't think we kind of necessarily stay awake at night worrying about who, who reached the most page impressions of that news article. That might be the mindset of some of the other publications. But I think from, from our perspective, we're quite integrated in, in amongst the league's um, purpose as opposed to the media side of things. Carla, your big observation or an observation uh, coming out of media and into the AFL, what would be the biggest uh, point of difference for you in, in changing into your current gig? i tell you what I've loved the most, and it's working on a product that's more than a sport. I, I've realised that commercialising or selling a product that to many, many people around Australia is is a place of belonging and a, and a connector and a reason to believe and, and a community, and that is really powerful. So what I've loved is working on something that changes people's lives and then working directly with brands, which for a big part of my media career I didn't necessarily get the chance to do. So working directly with brands and having that one-on-one -on -one relationship and allowing them to weave their brand into this powerful asset has been something I've adored doing over the last two and a half years. And that distance you talk about, Kylie, uh, between not working directly, is that because previously you might have worked through intermediaries like media agencies or sponsorship groups and so forth? That's right, Paul, yes. You know, it's been, been very, very clear for many years that the AFL is adamant it will work directly with partners. I've got 43 partners on the AFL men's side and 10 partners on the AFLW side. And um, and I'm really proud to say that those partners are personal friends of mine. And, um, you know, it's my job to grow their businesses through our powerful assets. And, and I've been adoring doing that. Well, that was a very Melbourne thing to say, though, isn't it? Very Melbourne thing to say they're friends of mine because it's very friendly in Melbourne, isn't it? I can't believe you just said that because I was only saying that to someone earlier today. It's a very, very Melbourne thing. And I'd forgotten about that. 
that your clients are your friends and um, we're better together and, and it's, I've been really enjoying it. Yes, Sydney's slightly different to that. I'm not, um, I can't speak for other cities uh, because I haven't lived there, but Sydney, it's more what can we do for each other blatantly? Well, it's, it's more transient and you can do million-dollar deals without really knowing someone over the phone, if you know what I mean. Right. When you don't do any deals in Melbourne without having lunch three times or going to their house on Sunday for a barbecue. It's just a different culture. It's, it's fascinating. Um, that's another conversation in its own right. Final thoughts from both of you before we wrap it up. Sarah, yours first. I'm really positive. I, I think that there's been um, some incredible change in a really positive way over the last few weeks. Um, you know, I understand that the... You know, the, the time itself is not great for everybody, but from a business perspective and what we're trying to do, I'm, I feel really positive. Um, and, yeah, I think, I think the, there's, a, there's a lot worse places you could be working and doing this job right now than, than somewhere in, a, in the largest sport in the country. Kylie, final thoughts, next six months? I, I've, I've been overwhelmed by the support from our very loyal partners. I've been overwhelmed by the support of our members, be that club members, Marvel Stadium members or AFL members. And, you know, there's silver linings in everything. Uh, the industry's never been more aligned. Um, we're collaborating extraordinarily on the priorities right now and everyone's sticking together. So I'm feeling really positive. AFL will bounce back and bounce back in a, in a big way come June 11 and I'm excited. Just because you've been in television, Kylie, your media partners and broadcast partners, what would you be feeling now if you were uh, back on, on the television side as a partner of the AFL? I'd be pretty keen for the AFL to start, Paul. Deep observation from Kylie Rogers. Yeah. <laughs> No, I uh, I feel for my media friends right now. It's difficult for everybody. Uh, Seven and Foxtel are extraordinary partners of ours and um, they'll be better for it when sport's back. Well, there you go. I told you they would have viewpoints and they've certainly said a bunch of things that I think we should all um, start processing fairly quickly. Some really great examples there around innovation too in the middle of a crisis and fascinating conversation um, Kylie Rogers, Sarah Wise, thank you. We will loop around in a few months, I think, and see what happens next. Thanks to you both. MI3 Audio Edition was presented by Paul McIntyre. That's moi in collaboration with Podcast One Australia. Producer Nick Slater, music by Matt Dwyer. For more episodes, go to podcastone.com.au or search MI3 Audio Edition on Apple Podcasts and hit the subscribe button.